Welcome to the Hey Sanat podcast. I'm your host, Sanat Janeski, and I'm here to have real life conversations about the things that we need to hear, but don't really like to talk about. So tune in each week as we laugh and cry our way to a new perspective. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to part two of my conversation with Cristal. If you missed last week's episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that so you're all caught up because we're picking up where we left off. If you did listen, welcome back and thank you so much for being here. We are going to just dive right back into this amazing conversation. We talked about universities. I stopped the university. I had a little bit of the experience, but then I had all this other life experience that I needed. And it was purposeful. Mm -hmm. It all happened to you so divinely. Mm -hmm. And if you think of how fast that started for you, and it's interesting, you said you went for a year and a half. It was a year and a half after my mom died that I felt like I had hit my rock bottom and my depression, I went into a depression. My depression looks like self-hate. My brain automatically resorts to how can we hate ourselves today and every single decision you've ever made in life and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was about a year and a half. And, and that's when I really started to get into the Reiki and, and having coaching done and going to therapy and and working on myself and working on my healing, not knowing where it was going. I was like, I just want to be okay with the fact that my mom died, but it opened up this whole, whole, whole world of self-love and continued self-love. And from there, you know, I became a coach. Coaching was calling to me because people started asking me, like, do you coach people? And, and I never thought I could do that. Uh, Or people wanted me to be their coach until they started asking the questions. And I got into coaching and, and now I'm at a point where, okay, like everything that I've learned um, and I am, I'm being, I'm living this and, you know, day by day, I'm getting closer to living my more authentic life. I want to share this and I want people to listen and have a different perspective and know that they are worthy. And we talked about that love, like being love. I am love. That's how I feel. I am love and I don't need to prove it to anybody. And I don't need to beg for it because at one point I would enter every relationship with how could I make this person love me? Who do I need to be for this person to love me? And maybe I shouldn't have too much of an opinion and maybe I shouldn't talk too much and maybe I shouldn't, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Whereas now I'm like, I had this conversation with my friend two days ago. I've never in my life felt more ready and it's not ready for anything specific is that I am just ready for whatever is coming. I'm just ready because I'm no longer performing. One of the, I guess, slogans or what I like to share with people often is like, you're designed to feel your entire organism was created to feel physical, yes, sensation, but emotion. You were literally designed to feel all of life. But through the old traditional way of school, this complexity and ability to feel all the feels goes so narrow. And I feel it's because a lot of times we've been put into a box. We have to be a certain way, like you described. You're trying to make yourself a certain way to receive validation approval. Because I feel like I was taught that. Most, many people are taught that. And so- Especially women. Especially women. Absolutely. We have yeah. thousands of years of having to be at the mercy of men. And the patriarchy. Exactly. Which yeah. is the system. I know. I know. Oh, it's, it's, it's painful to think about. <sighs> but for when, when I speak of living authentically, mm. it doesn't mean that I don't feel anything negative. It means that I feel everything. Mm. I feel it all so deeply and to circle back, as you say, to the beginning of this conversation, I reached out to you asking you to share your story of grief, not knowing that you would then experience another loss, a big impactful loss. And 
then a, a friend of mine tells me she experienced a big loss. And then I'm sharing a story about a butterfly and my mom with someone and a butterfly comes in right in front of me. And this nonstop grief, like I just felt really surrounded by grief in this last week. And I wasn't sad. I was feeling like I am now, I've embodied the two. I've embodied the feeling and not letting it bring me down and still being able to be myself. Because before I would go into, I would, I would like lean so far into the emotion, but I'm still experiencing the emotion while simultaneously experiencing love and being love. That's, I love that because we were taught that love is an emotion. And it's no, huh? it's like, that's <laughs> <laughs> like you can be love and feel angry. Yes. You can be love and feel sad. You can be love and be in joy because it doesn't have to go away. And so I love how you describe that, that when you can embody this readiness is that you recognize, you recognize that like, oh, this doesn't feel at all, all of it. And when you feel that power and you know that you have your back and you know that life has your back no matter what cycles of grief that yes, there's lessons. Yes, they're going to be blessings, but it's still okay to feel grief. And it's still okay to feel sad. And we don't have to keep marching on or avoid or push away or get lost. Yeah. Completely in it. Because there's those are the two polarities that often I've experienced. And I've also experienced that with my clients. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Because again... We used to have so much culture and wisdom around death. So much more. And I truly feel like a big part of the world doesn't know what to do with it anymore because we've lost the wisdom around it. And how powerful to be where you are right now and sharing this gift with others because you're now a reference point. And like you shared earlier, how when we were together the first few minutes, there was tears because this experience of presence and healing that we both are in. When you can be in front of someone who is in so much pain, possibly so much suffering, they see you. I could describe earlier, how does she do it? Huh. And there's just like, now a new reference point for them. That's what that looks like. Hmm. Like that. Get there. Yeah, that's so beautiful. This idea of this reference point. And it's like, we don't know where the, how far the ripple is going. And I believe two, although they are a belief, these are two facts of life that, that are just, I feel so strongly are true. And one is that uh, my purpose or part of my purpose here on earth is to be a pioneer. Like I was chosen to break the cycle. And I'm, I'm in this era, in this moment right now to, to, to change history. And like, that's how big my light is. And I see it. And that's like me doing this podcast is a reflection of that. It's, it's like, this is just the beginning. And I used to, I used to think that that would be a conceited thought, or that's like, oh, you're full of yourself or how do, because when you don't, when you're not there, it's really hard to see how you could possibly get there. But it's like, I feel it so deeply within me that like, it's just, a, it's a fact now. It's not even 
an idea. It's a fact. I embody it. Like my life. (laughs) It's more funny that people are more comfortable. A lot of people hearing others say, I'm so dumb, so stupid, like about themselves. But as soon as someone shows this ray of confidence, it like stirs people, you know, like you just said, it could like, what's the word that you just used? It was like conceited. What was the word? Yes, conceited. Conceited, but it's not conceited. It's fucking love. Yeah, no, you're allowed to swear. It's fucking love. I forgot to <laughs> ask you about that boundary. Oh. You're allowed to swear. Go for it. <laughs> Thank no. you. I have, a, I have a potty mouth sometimes. <laughs> this, is, I know. This is fucking love. Like, yes, it is. Oh, you know, I used to. I want to get to that second fact of life that I believe, but I I've always existed in a bigger body. And I, I also always loved fashion and like dressing up and like putting things together. I love design. I'm very creative. It's just, you know, it's, I've always had this part of me and people used to tell me you're so confident. And it wasn't because I had this light and I stepped into it. It was because I existed in a bigger body and I was wearing clothes that most people may not be comfortable wearing. And I never liked that term confidence because it wasn't the right term to describe me because I wasn't feeling confident. I just wanted to wear that. And I liked it. Like I, I didn't feel confident in who I was or my body. I just wanted to wear it. And it sounds so simple, but that's just what it was. But now I'll take on that word confident. Like I'll take it and I'll actually say it about myself. And I don't need anybody else to say it because I am confident that I have a light and that I am a light and that I am love and that, you know, everything that I've worked towards has gotten me to this point. I feel so confident in that. I also feel like it's courage. It's courage. And it takes courage to be a pioneer. When you said that, I felt two things. I I saw, you know, the idea of like Europeans when they came to North America, right? thinking they're like going to India, (laughs) but like (laughs) they're going for the first time, not knowing how to kind of get there, what they're going to find. It was all like new. And so for us, and I'm speaking because I, we are pioneers. Yeah. And I'm saying that we are the pioneers of our generation. We absolutely are. And it's so interesting because it's like in one breath, we are pioneering forward almost in the dark not knowing what's in front of us also having to trust so much because we don't have that much of a reference point either. And in the same breath, we are remembering. Yes. We are remembering our true essence. We are remembering downloading, receiving all the codes of our past that has been stolen from us. And so we used to have so much more knowledge about everything. And that was taken from us. And so we're pirating forward, but it's also going backwards too, because we're bringing that with us. And we're, we're kind of like saying like, I want to, I want to regain, I want to receive my true nature that I feel has was stolen. And at the same breath, I'm here to activate and regenerate and bring even more that has never been on earth. So when you say pioneer, I feel like it's two things. It's like remembering and anchoring the new. Yeah. And so I had this thought over the weekend of, you know, I believe in past lives and reincarnation. And, you know, we forget, like you said, we're remembering because we forget everything that we came here with this time around. But then I thought, what if right now in this era, it actually is the past. And what if we've actually, the lineage actually goes, you know, forward and backward. And we're in this time right now, but we've been in the present before, like the future, but it's actually the present of that time. And now we're actually in the past, but it's our present. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's one of those, like, love that. Cause it's a, it's such a loaded conversation and there's a lot of knowledge around this about what is time and past and future and there's a possibility for all living them at the same breath at the same time too and these different dimensions that we have access to potentially absolutely and that's why i'm so love embodiment so deeply because again what i meant by remembering is not 
but I love that you brought it up about past life because it's so juicy. It's also remembering like this life because yeah. when you're birth into this society, you are programmed so much that you even forget your innocent nature. So there's a lot of remembering that has to happen in, from our and life. Unlearning. Now. And unlearning, yes. exactly. And also from the past. And why I, I have always been so motivated on embodiment is that when you can really be in your body and experience your seven senses, I, when I can really be here, when I can really taste food and the water I'm drinking, when you can really access your seven senses, it is the portal, it is the key to the lock of accessing your eternal realms your infinite realms, call it soul, if you like, spirit. And what I've learned is that we have 144 and more senses. And we were only taught the five. Yes, but we have seven. Yeah. We actually have seven. So people are not, a lot of people are not even in their five senses. A lot of the time they're not really in their bodies. And on top of that, they're not even aware that they have seven senses. So how are they going to access their eternal body? You're right. My osteopath was describing someone that we both know. I had never heard this term used before, and it made so much sense. And she was speaking of this person and she said, they very much only live in an external world. And I was like, yes, there are people that only live externally outside of their body and only with what is happening around them and never step inward and it's like that healing is that first step inward that first step home absolutely and i feel my own experience because i used to experience dissociation in that sense or living in the external um and also witnessing clients in that realm is that what I feel is it's because they're only living from a very small slither of the mind. Yes. So if you could think of like a circle, you know how you do like a hundred percent. Yeah. Oftentimes humans are living from that 1% and completely oblivious of the 99%. And they're in that slither of the mind and that mind is in time, past or future, past and future and aren't really here. And so, yes, it looks like they're living in the external world, but it's because they're stuck in that internal, but it's not really internal. Yeah. It is 1% program memory dissociation of the now moment that makes them feel safe. And so they're never actually really like here. But if someone just turns around, so imagine you're just stuck in that 1%. People call it the ego. There's so many words for it. Yeah. 1%. And then they just turn around and they look at like, oh, there's like 99% of this world happening. Then they can have 100% of reality. And that is the home that you describe. That is being alive. That is aliveness. That is being human. See? It's being human. It's like humanity is the emotions that we feel and that's what sets us apart and we are spiritual beings we're having this human experience and we are doing a disservice to our god or whatever it is that you want to believe in if we're not experiencing humanity because we've been put on this earth for a reason absolutely and you said safety you said they feel safe there that that is because everything they're so afraid and living in fear from every other option that they stay stuck there. And it takes courage, like you said, to take one step forward, not knowing what's going to come next. And it looks dark and it's scary and it's raw. And you 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 feel like your flesh is open. When I first started healing, I just felt like I was walking around and my flesh was visible to everybody because my emotions were bleeding out of me because they had been trapped for so long. And I, I thought when I enter a room, and it is true because you enter in in your vibration, we talked about how your heart is open and your dog can feel your heart. And 
um, you know, everyone around, we could, we pick up on the vibrational frequencies of our bodies. And so when we do start healing, it does change our vibration and it does have to work its way up from fear all the way to love. Absolutely. And I remember there's an author that I really love. Uh, I think that's her. She wrote the book dying to be me. Okay. I don't know what. Don't even remember her name, okay. but her story about literally dying, coming back and healing herself. But she talks about how there's only fear and love. And I remember I made this video about it. Maybe I'll share it with you later. And I was like, I don't know if that's true because you could still be in total love and feel fear. So for example, the other day, like my dog just like ran through the, through the street and there was a car coming and I felt fear, of course. And I like ran and picked her up, but there was so much love there. Yes. So much love. So her idea is that the both, the two cannot exist together. She says that we either go from here to here. You're either love and fear or fear. And I don't feel like that's true for me. I feel it's either you feel love or shame. And the work that I do, the healing arts, the coaching is healing the shame body. You talked about yeah. self-hate earlier. And I feel it's what actually gets us stuck into that 1%. And it's a false perception of, of safety, but it's really not. Because if it was, we wouldn't have such a high rate of people being depressed yep. and going towards so many realms of addiction, right? And so it's not working. So it creates this false reality, which I call the artificial masculine and feminine. It creates this artificial world, but it's actually not real and it's not true. And so when you talk about the external and how people live it, it's like, yeah, they're going to go for the house, the car, the white picket fence. Totally okay if you want that. I love it. Do it. But do you really want that? Or is it what you've been told to do as a check mark on the next thing and the next thing? And in emotional intelligence, they teach you, they're like two ways humans receive the, the endorphins. One is like you have a goal and then you get it, right? So like a person goes to university, they finish it, they feel this achievement. They have a project, they finish it, they feel this achievement. Mm-hmm. But the second way that we can receive these endorphins is by being fully present with the whole process of achieving it. So what do I mean by that? I could be working and writing because I'm a writer. And how do I feel? How am I feeling? I could be working on a project, but how am I actually here while I do it? Am I <laughs> doing, you know, stress? Or am I like really here for the process? But we've been taught to be just goal-oriented. Now, here's the thing, the problem with that, we both live lived in Ottawa, and what is that? A government town, yes? Yes. Oh, so many of my clients would come to me hating their life because they work for the government. And you know what they would tell me? It's okay, I have 10 more years before my pension. Yes. I have five more years, and then I'll, I'll be retired, and then I'll do the thing, and I'll do that. And you know and what? And I'll get my pension, and I'll and get I'll my pension. pension. And, then, and, then, and a lot of these humans that have this belief, what happens to them when they get to retirement? either go back to work because they feel no purpose anymore they get sick yeah a lot of times they get sick but the big thing about it is they don't feel satisfaction why wouldn't they feel satisfaction their entire life they said they've been working on this pension and it's going to give them that thing why don't they feel satisfied because they have they were never satisfied to begin with how are you going to get somewhere and think you're going to feel something if you've never felt it you're not going to be able to receive it. You can't receive it. And so the emotional intelligence, they teach you like, are you receiving every fucking moment? Because if you're not training yourself in this place of embodiment, presence, gratitude, yes, drive, but you're fully here, you have no way of receiving your achievement. And this is why there's the people that go through like the next thing and the next thing. And when I get the house and when I have the kids and when I do this, and when I do that, and then they're 40 years old and they go through like this middle life crisis. Why? Because they don't, they've never felt satisfaction. Yeah. And what happened with me when I stepped into my authentic self, I, I had to 
there was no possible way I could do it. I had to quit my job. I quit my job and I had a career that I would work. So I worked so hard for because I didn't go to university and I thought that I had to make up for that and had to make up for my lack of education. And my value is going to be in the work and how much I produce and how much money I make and blah, 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 all of this stuff. And at one point I was happy and I was satisfied from it. But as I started to heal, I started to realize that none of it meant anything to me. And it got to the point where I was physically ill, I would enter the building and I would feel sick because I knew it wasn't for me. And I knew I had to figure a a way out. And it doesn't mean that I don't like, I like to live a life of luxury. I love to experience luxury. It resonates with me and it feels right for me, but it doesn't mean that I can't have that. And I can't experience the little luxuries and, and I'm not attached to them. If I get a car and I have to sell it because of whatever, I don't care. Go we built, my husband and I built a beautiful house and we lived in it for a year and we sold it. And everyone still asks me, are you sad that you sold it? Are you sad that you got rid of it? Why did you do that? And I was like, well, it was beautiful and I loved it, but it doesn't belong to me anymore. It's not like, that's not what my life is about. It's not about just the things. And I'm not going to let it stop me from getting these luxurious things or experiencing luxury or, ha- or building another more beautiful house, but I'm not going to be so attached to it that my life will be over if it's gone. Absolutely. And attachment in my projection is projecting out your, your value onto this thing. So I really love this conversation because like I said earlier, it's okay if you want all those things. Yeah. It's so it's totally okay. Oh, and that's what I'm saying. I said I had did an episode about worthiness and it was just me. And I said, we've been conditioned to think that in spirituality, we shouldn't want anything material, but, but for me, all I know is what's been working for me and what feels true and authentic to me. And I, part of my purpose is to experience luxury. Maybe in the past I didn't, maybe I had even more money in another life. I don't know, but it feels right to me. It just feels right for me. And that's my money relationship. And that's my story with the energy of money. And it, it comes to me and, it, I, and I attract it without even trying. It's just been a theme in my life. And so now I'm going to just be open to receiving it. And how I choose to live is how it makes me feel. Exactly. How do you feel when you have it? And I, I, I'm curious because you said I felt satisfied when I had the other job. But what is At this one point? At one point, but if you were to just compare, you know, like we have. Yes, I'll tell you the difference. The level of of like satisfaction and now. Oh, it's like, I didn't know it was a false sense of happiness because now when you, when you experience true happiness, you know, like it's, you don't even, you can't fake it. And so I was satisfied because I was moving up the corporate ladder. I was making more money. Like I, I, I would go to work and dedicate time, an X amount of hours to something else that would then bring us money into the household. And like, it was reputable for my children to look at. And like, I just feel sick saying this, to be honest right now, because it's so far removed from who I have, who I am now, because I don't need external validation. And I needed validation from my boss, from my peers, from my coworkers, from my husband, from my family. I needed everyone to know that I was doing all right because I had a job. And now you've experienced the value, your value, my value and your value is beautiful because I love that you bring up money and, and luxury. If we were to just look at nature, she is abundance. She is beautiful. I remember last week I was up in the mountains and I woke up and I really early for my practice and I was facing a volcano a non-active volcano. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, bald like just cried of the beauty and the richness and the almost feeling of temple energy and of course you want beautiful things there's a reason why in temples it's beautiful because mm-hmm. beauty brings presence and it's mm-hmm. okay we have a distortion relationship with beauty i will admit that we have a distortion about money and, and luxury and things, all that. But what you're talking about is different. And I want beauty around me. I want beauty on me. And the more I can admit that, that I'm abundance, like I am abundance. So why I wouldn't love I? It. 
I'm smiling from ear to ear because I'm just soaking it all in. I'm like, yes, this is it. And it's your natural nature. It's literally our natural nature. If you look at nature, it's literally nature. It's so beautiful and so grounding. You think that actually it's like, get off your high horse. It's actually so grounding when you think of the, the beauty in nature and earth and the water and the trees and the forests and the animals and everything that is around us all the time that we don't stop and pay attention to. Mm, and it's the movement, the cycles, and this is why I love working with women to remove distortions because we have been taught to be artificial and to project that women and men. And we are cyclical beings, men and women. We are never supposed to be one way, like a computer, like a program. A little part of our mind is like that. And it's great if you know how to use it, but we're an organism alive, but we've been taught to treat ourselves like a machine, like a computer. And so when you share this luxury and this beauty, it's like you're returning back to yourself, to home, to your natural nature. And the more you can do that, the more you can receive. The more you can receive, and again, I really want to unpack that for a moment about receiving and taking, giving and receiving. Receiving is very important. If everybody's giving love, nobody's receiving it. What the hell's the point? But when you can receive life, which I feel is how I can interpretate your, your sharing about your healing, is that you're receiving yourself receiving life and it's such a layered process that your coffee in the morning with your favorite cup that's so beautiful like you can receive the beauty you can receive the taste you can receive the moment and when you can receive you are overflowing abundance of love yes and that's where i was saying like i'm at this point now where i'm ready i'm just ready whatever it is that's coming i'm ready to receive it Mm. Mm. I would love to receive your second belief too. Yes. I was actually, I was just going to say that. (laughs) And so it's so funny because I was like, okay, and now that will take us to (laughs) my second belief of life. Mm -hmm. And again, this comes from when I experience it, I just feel so right for me is that as humans, a very, very big part of our purpose is to experience loss and death around us. And we are only given the not the only knowledge really that we're given is that we will die. Any living being will die. And we know this and we spend our lives running away from death and running away from grief. But something changed in me in the last few years where it became easier to lose because I embraced the fact that if I hold on to what's not meant for me, I will never be able to receive what's more for me. If I'm stuck in, in holding on to the death of my mother, there wouldn't be any room in my heart for gratitude for this life of healing that it led me to. I love this. I um, read a beautiful quote, and I share this often about your belief of loss, grief, death. Uh, Someone described that to be human is to hold Grief in one hand and gratitude in the other. Hold them both. Because if we don't accept death, in the sense like you described, we're all like, I'm going to be positive and always good or just avoid, you know, then you go into apathy. You forget your humanness. But if you go all the way into grief, then it goes into despair and you get lost there too. I have cycles and then you birth yourself out even more into deepening the aliveness in you and so when we can hold gratitude the way i'm interpreting your experience with your mother it's like okay she okay okay she died 
how can I amplify this in my life? And I feel like maybe gratitude right now is not the best word to use for your experience, but you chose to, to come alive. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to come alive, that means you have to accept that there's pain. And there's loss. And then there's death. And I feel like then you have to accept the fact that you were born for this. You were designed for it. In the ethereal realms, it's, that is not, doesn't exist. We were literally created for death. Like, in a, in a way, the cycles of Earth for now are like that. We used to be able to live for two, three, four thousand years. And that's a whole other topic that we could talk about. I don't even know that. Like, this is all new to me. Mm-hmm. If you go into the Bible, the first testament, you'll see, you know, like they talk about like Abraham and there's like a list of all the people that came after him lived for like a thousand, like 2000 years. You'll see their age. And I feel like that's not that we don't accept death. That's not, it's just that we know what to do with the body. Yeah. More. But you can still accept cycle and loss and grief, you know? And that Um, we are cyclical beings, like you said. And I'm embracing that now as a woman with a cycle and learning. I've learned, I went through a whole, I have a whole episode called living cyclically is like, and us talking about the cycle of life and, and not just as women, but as humans and what is this cycle and everyone has a different length and time, you know, 18 years old. And we say that's so young. My, my mother was 52 years old and we say that's so young and someone who's 60 years old, it's still young. And so what is this cycle of life? And, and why are we fighting and resisting it? Rather than, you know, it's painful and we honor that. And that's part of our humanity, but we also know that this is part of the cycle. Absolutely. And when you can do that, you can really experience sadness and you could be okay. I've had so many moments where I'm in my bed. So grateful for the tools that I have where I've experienced grief, whether it was like a person, but also maybe loss in a sense of ending relationship. Um, That's also death. Yes. And, and that's another part of grief that um, people don't realize that you can grieve people that are still alive and situations that are still here and, and grief shows up in so many different ways, not just death, but grief is a tool to tap into our sadness, which is really our memories of life. Absolutely. Exactly. I, I would be in my bed, <gasps> you know, like that kind of cry, like, like yeah. Cry. and yeah. I would be like, <laughs> I'd be smiling at the same time because I could still feel love. I could still, I feel joyful crying and being in that process and so grateful that I can let myself feel, let myself go there and just weep. And when we give ourselves that permission, it, it releases. Instead of carrying, adding it to the backpack. Imagine your life is a backpack and you're just not going to feel that. I'm not going to feel this. I'm not going to feel that. I'm going to feel that. And we have this like huge backpack where we're all walking around. And it's really heavy. And we're like, hey, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to have this relationship? And they have a backpack. And then we wonder why yeah. relationships are so distorted. Because we have been taught to dissociate from the body, from our feelings, our emotions. And so I really love this conversation about grief. Um, about loss and death and I feel like we just need to have more conversations about it because we use that word but it's not a word it's so hard to put into those letters just keep it that short grief without any interpretation of what it actually means and and how big and encompassing it can be and how it's not only sadness there's so much more to it, but they can also coexist. Absolutely. And, you know, like sometimes, not all the time now, when I think of my grandpa, for example, who passed away, sometimes I'll have tears. Because I'm like, I'll never hear him sing again. Mm-hmm. 
He will never play the guitar again for us. I'll never hear his laughter. I'll never feel his hug. And I'm okay to sometimes miss that. And in the same breath, he's literally right beside me right now, like, because I talked about it. Like, I could still, thank God, I have this capacity to be able to feel the eternal realms that, like, I can have this conversation with him, I can connect with him in the spirit realm, but I will never see his body again. And that is totally fine to be sad about that. Yeah. It is sad. And it's okay that it's sad. Absolutely. And we're allowed to feel sad. And we're allowed to move on as well. Because I remember bringing this all the way back to the beginning of your experience and losing your boyfriend at 18 years old. And I remember thinking, well, she's allowed to find love again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's a journey. Please, please. I know. No, but you know, and how some people would be like, how, how soon after? And is it too soon? And opinions about it. And I remember just thinking, like, she's allowed to have love in her life. I was really judged. I'm telling you this because I would, I heard it and it it made it all the way to me, someone who wasn't even in your circle. I was constantly judged. It was so fascinating, like how my life became everyone else's life. Uh, I became a shadis girl. Sometimes people don't even refer to me as Cristal anymore for a while. And the first time that I fell in love again after Shadi, I realized this now. I didn't realize at the time. Yeah. The reason why was because he didn't look at me the way everybody looked. He like he just saw Crystal. Cristal. He didn't see he didn't see you through the sad lens. Or the judgments. Or, or the, the judgments. Or the projection. He just saw me and he would look at me in a very different way. And I feel like that's probably why I give myself permission unconsciously at that time to do that. Um, but you know what? Nobody knows except for very few people. A month before Shadi passed away, I was at my friend's house. We had this huge uh, party at her house. Super cute. The Tannis family. We were all there, her family, friends, and uh, hanging out. We watched the movie A Walk to Remember. Mm. Do you remember that movie? I remember that movie very well. And I'll tell you my key takeaway from that movie. And if, if you don't remember, it's um, Mandy Moore. And it, she has cancer. And, and there, she's young. And eventually, you know, she passes away. But what stuck with me from that movie is she says, without suffering, there would be no compassion. And that, I was a teenager when I heard that and watched that movie. And I've watched that movie so many times. But that was my key takeaway from that movie, is without suffering, there would be no compassion. And that brings us back to like the whole idea of having grief in one hand and gratitude in the other. Yeah. Passion, it brings compassion. When there's suffering for that to be there, it brings deep compassion. And when you don't want to acknowledge it, that's where we move into apathy, right? Yeah. I love that you shared that. I forgot about that quote. And it's so true. She's so sweet in that movie. There's so many gifts. And I watched it with Shadi. And And that night he drove me and he started crying. And he's like, babe, I just want you to know if I die, and he was like, crying. I'm like, why are you crying? Why are you saying this? Stop it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Crying. I'm like, don't say this. He's like, it would, I don't want to think about you being with another person because I love you so much. But like, I want you to move on. Like, you need to love. You need to be loved. I want you to be loved. I want you to move on. And I remember I'm crying now. Like, yeah. I was so upset. I was like, don't talk about this. And it was literally a month before he died. Wow. When he, so for me, that was my only validation that I need. Yeah. <laughs> he and he gave, gave that, you the gift. If he gave me that, I don't need anyone else's approval, but I did at the time. I took everything. To well, heart. it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard when you are weakened by life. You can easily succumb to everyone else's ideas for what your life should look like now. 
Yeah, I, I could even not, not wear black. I remember the first time I wore pink. I was judged for wearing pink. <laughs> like, I was like, fuck, when is this going to end? You know? And you're a child. I'm a child. I was, I was actually really a child. I was actually, my dad, the way he was, he really protected and sheltered me. So when his death happened and I went to the university, I still lived at home. But my parents shifted everything about, you're 18 now. It was like this weird thing. Like, now you're 18. And I was like, not prepared at all. <laughs> for life when it came came to that i had all this freedom right um but i had all this pain and i was carrying all this need to be validated and i had so much self-hate for years like you described because i was always judged because i judged myself i'm not sure how we got there i think it was when you said like can she love again or can she move on I'd love to know, even know how that came up for you to talk about that. Why? Your story stuck with me for all of these years. It just, it really stuck with me. And the clear message that I get from you is that you are love. And it's fascinating to know that someone on the outside looking in might think it's just always been this way. But for me, I see the pain of it and I'm astonished by the trajectory of your life. He was a blessing. Like like now I can say that when he was alive, he was a blessing. When he passed away, I know that that was our karma. I know I talk to him now. I see him now. I feel him now. Again, going back to the idea of the medium and like why I went to like learn about spirituality. It's like, I want to talk to him. I want to see him. Um, and you're right. It wasn't always that way. And it's been such a layered process for me. I'm learning and learning and learning and learning. And last week when you brought up this topic, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah she, yeah, she went to my high school. It's true. She didn't know this. I, I didn't like, go to your high school. I went to oh, another God. high school in Ottawa. No, I'm telling you how deep. Oh, how- no, you went to Sam, right? No, I went no. to Hillcrest. Hill- Hill- oh, you were across. That's what it was. You were across. Yes. Yes, yes. You were across. You weren't even in the same freaking school. And I'm like, it how did you made it to me? And now I'm realizing that there was a reason it made it to me. And you bringing this back up, I just want, now I just want to share this huge gift that you've given me. This new, remember how you described this new layer? Like you go through like pain and there's like this deeper layer. Is when you brought it up with me and I was like, huh? And my story, because I've always resisted talking about myself in that way. What is my story? Like, what do I, I've always been uncomfortable. Like, how do I share everything? (laughs) (laughs) Where do you start? Do you want popcorn? (laughs) So it's felt very chaotic for me. But when you named it, it was like, okay. And literally an hour later, I found out that someone that I really love passed away. And I remember being like, is this a Twilight Zone? Like, what's happening? Like, okay. And it initiated me into like remembering three years ago when I lost somebody else that I really loved and how I kind of for a little while went into despair and let myself go into it and I came back up. I just have seen this, this wave, this layered process of grief. And as I felt the feels and I shared it with you the next day and we like processed it together, it was so beautiful and believing that I could just let myself feel it all. And I actually got activated and um, into this, I guess, initiation about, about all of this. And when you told me my gift is grief, I remember you said that, I'm like, what? I never thought about it that way. And I had this conversation with my partner. And it's like, yeah, this is what she shared. And he's like, that makes so much sense. And I picked it up. Yeah, you like the point. I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, like you're because I've we've only talked about Shadi, but let me be clear here to everyone. 
is that when Shadi died, and then eventually I went on my healing path. Well, let me tell you, grief initiates us into all the times where we felt grief and weren't able to release it. All the times that I felt pain in my life as a child, as a teenager, that I had no safety to feel. So Shadi opened me up to recognizing like, oh my God, I've been through some shit. Did I have to unpack? And I even got lost there for a while too. And I came back out of it. And so I just want to share that like part of my path was that I was in the early ages of the trend of spirituality. It is, yeah, it's become trendy, but we know you're faking it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just the first step. To yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that first step I was like open my third eye and like I went to see teachers and I want to see Shadi and I want to do this and but I was grounded I was not ready for it and at the time nobody was teaching embodiment to a degree that I needed and so I started seeing spirits and started seeing energies and it got a little like uncomfortable and I remember like saying God okay no okay I don't want this and I remember saying like I don't want to be that person that people come to me. I don't want to be a medium. I don't want to be a psychic. I don't put that on my website because I felt like a little cringy about it, even though that's how I started. I didn't want to be paid for it or seen that way. And I also didn't want to do it. I remember being like, no, not right now. I don't want to do this, God, unless you really want me to. And so the last seven years, I would say, it would happen where a client would come see me and then I would like, well, okay, see someone on the other side, feel them. And I wouldn't talk about it right away. And I would ask God. And that's how the only reason why I did it. I was like, God, is this what you want? Yes. Okay. So I have my process on like how to do that. But it's only been like that and I've resisted it. But you, my friend, has really shifted something in my life because after experiencing this new grief in my life, I was bombarded in a way like where I was getting messages from the universe, from relationships. And particularly one woman that I know from Ottawa was, her sister was on her deathbed. And she asked for my help, super out of the blue because we don't call each other, hang out. She's a yogic teacher friend. And, but I always connected with her. And so she just said, like, I don't know what to do, but I just wanted to tell you. I just, I just feel confused. And I asked God, like, what do you want me to do? And so I was like, okay. So I sat in my morning meditation. My partner was beside me, got my crystals, you know, like, got grounded. And I'm like, babe, just so you know, in case you're wondering, I'm going to be connecting to my friend's sister's spirit. So just to inform you that's what's happening right now. He's like, okay, I have helped people transition to the other side, particularly really close people in my life that have passed away. Sometimes it's necessary. They need the help to actually do because they die in a lot of pain and fear. And sometimes they don't. My friend Bruce, as soon as I found out he died, I could feel him everywhere. And he was like, yes, free. He was just so like, like loving the ethereal realms. But with her, it was, it was different. So I want to share a little bit, but not too much to honor privacy. Yes. Uh, but what I experienced myself was like, oh, my God, I have to trust. I have no reference point. No idea if this is real. No idea even why she's in this position. But I'm going to trust. And so I let myself navigate and feel into her. And what I saw was someone move from complete pain in her being not wanting to be here but wanting to be here and just being stuck and asking god like i have no idea what you want me to do but i trust you work through me for me as me and i was invited god is like just show her who you are go ahead remember who you are and i remember hearing those words and i just no longer could feel just her seeing my body or ethereal body it was like my whole multi-dimensional whole entire cosmo cosmic self and when i did that or when i embodied that and i showed her myself 
I felt spirals up and down of beings of cosmic love just surrounding her. And I saw her just move up and like, just, huh? And I was that reference point for her. And as I guided her into remembering herself, that she's that, I literally witnessed her whole being go from this stuckness to lightness and expansion. And then she just was ready. And for, I feel for the first time, probably in a long time, if ever she felt. Wow. And was terrified of sharing this with my friend because I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to land, if this is true or not true, you know, like I'm just, yeah. but it was so received, so supportive, so beautiful. And I realized that I've been afraid of this part of myself. And the idea that gift, the gift of grief that I am is that I'm a death doula. Wow. So if you've made it this far in the conversation, <laughs> so intense, a doula is someone who supports birth. And Cristal is a death doula and someone who supports spirit. Absolutely. And it could be the transition of people going through that. Yes. But also all the transitions that we experience in our entire life, the idea of grief always being there. And in the cycle of life. Cycle of life. And so yesterday when I was in my woman's circle, I shared this experience and they're like, you're a death doula. I'm like, Yes, exactly. But death is birth at the same breath. It is. And so thank you so much for gifting me this opportunity to be even more authentic, to find the parts in me that I was still hiding, the places where maybe I didn't want to go, shine like you described <laughs> and for offering me this perspective that has always been there <laughs> like I've always been doing it but I haven't really received it fully so thank you I am just taking a moment to receive that and a moment to thank you for your open heart and for your existence and in the ways that it's impacted my life without you even knowing and this ripple effect and what you're pioneering. And I'm so grateful that our souls have reconnected in this lifetime because it goes beyond just this moment right now. So it's like really nice to meet you again. Really, you can be found on Instagram at Golden Creatrix, G O L D E N C R E A T I X. T R I X. T R I X, sorry, Golden Creatrix. Oh, yeah. Tricky one, literally. <laughs> yeah. And, and people can reach out to you and see all the beautiful ways that they can work with you and just connect with you. And I promise her stories are like a, <laughs> a portal into spirituality. I, I look forward to having you on here again, maybe one day, because we have so much more to talk about. So thank you. I feel like we could be here forever. <laughs> and so nice to meet you again. And again, because again, death could be in every moment. And when we allow ourselves to die, which is what Jesus said, in every moment, we could be anew. And so I'm not seeing you as I knew you 20 years ago. Also, I'm seeing you as who you are now, right now, and what a gift you are. And what a privilege it's been to share this presence, these words, these stories. And you are a pioneer. And I'm so grateful you fucking exist. <laughs> I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, my friend and I are making a t-shirt t-shirt that says um i exist and then the back will say you're welcome yeah <laughs> i love it so thank you so much Krista. 
That's a wrap on this week's episode of the Hasten App Podcast. Please follow along on Instagram. Handle is at H-E-Y dot S-A-N-A-A to continue the conversation. And please share this with your friends and family if you think that anyone out there needs to hear today's message. Together, we can really help a lot of people. Have an excellent day and thanks for tuning in.